Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is Matt Atchison, the CEO and president of Vault Investment Properties and host of Millionaire Mindcast, a top 100 iTunes entrepreneur podcast. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Super excited to have you on, my friend. It's always good to be on a show, talking some exciting conversation with uh, other bright minds. So thank you for having me on, brother. I um, I, I, I couldn't agree. I... Uh, I love sort of just chatting with people who who get it. You know what I mean? Like when you're having a good conversation and there's good information flowing, and that's what I really like doing with this. And and to sort of segue straight into it, um, tell us about yourself. Give us an idea of your backstory and and what you're up to these days. Yeah, I mean, um, I really have just been an entrepreneur my entire career. Um, came from two parents divorced that uh, both did corporate America, and uh, they were, you know kind of the ladder climbers, right? Just follow what was ultimately the path to, at least at that time, you know, unlocked success and freedom and fulfillment. And it wasn't until, um, you know, I started getting more into high school that my mom started going to uh, more entrepreneurial kind of mindset uh, conferences. So I started going to my first personal development conference. I think I was 14, 15, something like that. And um, I remember seeing somebody up on stage uh, one, of course, when you're younger, right? Money is always exciting. Um, and so they were flashing, you know, a big check. Um, and they were kind of showing this lifestyle and, you know, being your own boss and having the freedom and flexibility, but also the ability to have, you know, an impact on other people through entrepreneurship. And so that was kind of where that initial spark began. Um, but it laid dormant for a while. Um, I actually ended up getting expelled from high school. I was arrested in college. So I'd kind of gone through a little bit of a turbulent stage in my life. And I just remember kind of being at a fork in the road moment where it was um, it was one of those times where I was saying a lot of things to myself and to other people about what I was going to do and what I was going to be and what I was going to achieve. Um, you know, the audio was one thing, but then there was the video and the actions and the incongruence, I guess, with um, you know, what really needed to take place in order for that audio to be a reality for myself. And so, um, kind of after hitting, you know, a little bit of a rock bottom and, you know, doing some soul searching, um, I ended up getting a job working for an entrepreneur and I, uh, worked my way up from basically doing cold calls for him every day to kind of being his right hand personal assistant. Um, and that's when I was finishing out, you know, college and school and, uh, just getting exposed to that, you know, space and that, you know, uh, lifestyle and seeing what was possible, I realized that it was possible for me. And I had a little bit clearer of a path and, you know, kind of following some breadcrumbs on the trail of what I could ultimately do for myself and whatever space or lane it was that I ultimately wanted to end up doing it in. And um, I remember moving back from college, I uh, had this expensive piece of paper in my hand, still had no idea what I wanted to do with it. 
And I ended up finding an opportunity on uh, Craigslist. It was kind of a headline and it said, you know, mentee, uh, mentor seeks mentee. And um, long story short, I ended up working for a guy that was uh, doing foreclosure auctions and he was buying houses and renovating them and fixing them up and flipping them. And he was making $50,000, $60,000, you know, on every single property. And uh, I was making nothing. I worked for free for a year. Uh, but it was one of the best lessons that I got in terms of just diligence and persistence and modeling and mentorship. And uh, that really led me to my very first real estate investment. At the age of 21, I found a, a house um, that I ended up buying for $100,000. And I put, I think, about 35000 into it. And I sold it for $245,000. So I made over $100,000 on my first flip. And I was like, whoa, okay. Um, I think I'm going to do more of this. And uh, that led to, you know, over the course of the last decade, flipping hundreds of houses. And uh, I started realizing that I had, you know, kind of a, an active vertical income. Um, but if I really wanted to unlock freedom, I needed to start focusing more on taking that income and investing it more into horizontal investment buckets or vehicles that were going to pay me whether I showed up and grinded my butt off for that income or not. And so ultimately that ended up, um, lead me to buying single family houses. And then I started moving up to, you know, fourplexes and larger apartment buildings and then commercial strip centers and uh, medical plazas. And it was about four years ago that I bought um, my very first hotel. And uh, now I've got four hotels. Um, build my fifth on the Riverwalk in San Antonio, Texas. Um, and uh, it's been been quite a quite a journey. A lot of failing forward, I would say, right? I'm giving the highlight reel here real quick, but it's been a lot of failing forward, a lot of moments of doubt and you know frustration and stress and uh, insecurity and you know everything in between, right? I think you know entrepreneurship is full of peaks and valleys, and it really you know tests who you are, and it also forces you to become someone new. You know, 2.0 in your mindset, your habits, your disciplines, your network. Uh, to really kind of break through ceilings that you know are there. Um, and as you do that, right, finding ways in terms of who you become and, you know, what people you surround yourself with and what processes and systems you put in place to make that your new floor and normalize that part of life. So it's been a beautiful ride, man. I, uh, I, I love that failing forward. I think it's something that every single person that I've had on the show, but just kind of thinking more broadly than that, every single successful person uh, does because the only reason arguably that you don't succeed is because you stop. Now you could be stopped from a variety of reasons, but most of the reasons are in our control and we just choose to, to stop. And it's that continued grind, uh, of, like you said, falling forward because you are still progressing. Too many people go five steps forward and they come back four steps and then they think this is terrible and they quit. And I'm like, average it out. Like that's a step forward, you know? Yep. Do it again and again, do it five times. And now you were where you wanted to be, but you've learned a hell of a lot more. And suddenly you start taking two steps at a time, three steps at a time. Yeah. And people don't, they don't, they don't really connect with that kind of compounding effect of knowledge. And we talk about knowledge as power, but I would say that application of knowledge uh, is really where the power is. You can't just learn stuff. You got to go and got to go and do it. And there's all this cliche quotes that go with it, right? Like knowing without doing is not knowing and all this kind of stuff, but like speak to that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, manifesting and having a vision for something is one thing, but at the end of the day, nothing ultimately materializes without hard work and persistence and patience. And, 
you know, for me, I would say um, I learned that at a young age and I'm, I was grateful and fortunate for that. Cause I think, especially in the world we live in today, right? The click of a button, um, you know, this lightning in a bottle moment that everybody thinks they're deserving of for most people that, that never comes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really does require that patience, that persistence, yeah. that discipline, that grit. And, uh, you know, I'm a millennial. I pace in front of the microwave. I want, you know, the dish and the result to come out quickly. But at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that, you know, it's the ingredients in a recipe that uh, go into a crock pot that take time to fuse together to really produce something that is so much more fruitful and enjoyable and tasty. And that's ultimately the way I look at almost all the best things in life. You know, every great relationship, you know, your business, your bank account, your finances, your health, you know, the, the best things in life take time. And so, you know, they, they take purpose and intention and discipline to make sure that, you know, you've got the right things um, around you and, you know, working with you and for you. But, um, you know, I'm just, I've got stamina. And so I've had this mindset of, you know, I'm, I'm playing for the lifetime value of whatever it is that I'm going after. And of course there's going to be the, the high moments and there's going to be the low moments. Um, and ultimately, you know, for me, it's, I'm just dumb enough to believe in myself and smart enough to take action every day. And, those are some of the things that ultimately have served me. I've never been the fastest. I've never been the smartest. I've never been the strongest, um, but I am a relentless and I am a ruthless person when it comes to the discipline I put around my goals and the things that I want. And mm-hmm. you know, accountability is a big piece of that. Obviously having the right people around you is a big piece of that. Having the right systems in play is a big piece of that. And like you said earlier, you know, the eighth wonder of the world, as Mr. Albert Einstein calls it, is the compound effect. And, you know, it's crazy looking up after, let's say, you know, I'm 34 and I got into real estate and business, um, you know, when I was 21. Uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like you cover a lot of ground, right? Like, oh, I should be further. You know, you're always looking at a different, you know, summit to, you know, really um, climb up and and always in a, a rush and a hurry to get to the next destination. But when you actually stop and you take inventory and look in the rearview mirror of the ground that you've covered and who you've become and the lives that you've impacted and the money that you've made and, you know, um, the things that you've accumulated along the way, it's amazing, right? To, to see that when you can stay consistent in one vein. And so, you know, my early twenties, there was a lot of bouncing around and experimenting and failing and learning. And, you know, when I kind of found uh, the vein that I wanted to mine in and, um, and I stayed there and I stayed focused there, you know, that compound effect really starts to get sexy. Um, but it's not in the beginning. Right. And, and for a lot of people, that's where they, the entrepreneurial curses, you know, they uh, always looking for that next great thing or that next best idea or the next opportunity to get rich fast. And, you know, when I look at at least a lot of the people that I've interviewed and the shows that I've been on and the people that I've been, you know, fortunate to be mentored by or surrounded with, you know, most of those people did boring, monotonous, you know, unsexy things until all of a sudden, you know, people looked at them at the result after doing all those things for a long period of time as being very sexy. And so, I have, you know, just taken that and adopted that mindset and, um, you know, that discipline that I'm playing the long-term game and, you know, uh, small, smart decisions made, you know, consistently over an extended period of time, it unlocks really cool and exciting things. And, um, and that's the game that I play for every single day. I think that where 
people struggle with this and I have myself is not having the right perspective and self-awareness. So we tend to look at it like you're 34, I'm 31, right? And I could say, damn, like I'm, I'm behind. Now, the reality is you started at 21. I graduated chiropractic college after a five-year degree at 23. And then I hustled as a health professional for five years. And then I started thinking of other things. And so I, you know, my entrepreneurial journey technically started then, but has really taken off in like 2018, 2019. And where I've got to is exploded. And so I look at it and go, well, in, in terms of rate of return, like I, yeah, I would be further along if I was starting at 21, but I would never have got to here had I not done what I had done because I didn't have the exposure that allowed me to have that same journey as you. And that's ironically all of our own personal stories. And so what we do is we we look at the person who's ahead of us and think, man, shoulda, coulda, woulda. We don't look at the 99.9% of people who are not where we are mm-hmm. and think, well, shit, it could have gone that way too. Yeah. You only look at the ones like, oh man, I, I don't have a Lamborghini. I don't have this. I don't have four hotels. And it's like, yeah, but when I look at everybody else, I'm actually should be ridiculously grateful for my journey and understand that I got to do this at 30 when a lot of people start older. Like Grant Cardone started, what? how old did he start? Um, like his, past our time, right? Like give us another oh, 10 yeah, years and then he, he started, you know what I mean? Like mid forties when he started, you know, building his quote unquote billion dollar, multi-billion dollar empire now, right? He's in his, I think early sixties, but I think there's danger in that comparison and we've all done it. I've done it. You've done it, you know, and, and we will continue to do it. The reality of the situation is I think the, the key to it is being aware of when you're doing it and having a framework that gets you back in your strength zone instead of pulling you out of that. And that ultimately has been what, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've just started to learn my strengths and weaknesses a little bit more and playing to those things. And, and, and when I identify, you know, being in a space of weakness, I've got good frameworks that allow me to swing the pendulum back into the areas that, you know, I call it being weaponized. Um, you know, I think we all know, like, and have felt maybe a moment or a season or a stretch in life or in business where you just feel really dangerous. Like I'm in flow, whatever you put in front of me, I am just going to destroy it. Like there's nothing that can stop me, my mindset, my habits, my disciplines. There's things that are going on in your life. I like to call them rhythms, right? That ultimately you find yourself in a pocket. It's almost like, you know, the analogy for a surfer is if you've ever surfed and you catch that perfect wave and you're right in the pocket in the sweet spot, it's like, you don't do anything. It's euphoria. It's effortless. And the result is just, it's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, I think as I started to get more aware of like, okay, when am I the most dangerous? Like what's going on in my life when I'm weaponized? And as I started to identify through awareness, what some of those things were, it was, you know, morning routines and evening routines. It was my relationship with my wife being on point. It was being very purposeful and intentional and getting quality time with my daughters. It was getting into the gym every day. It was eating healthy. It was avoiding drinking. You know, it was surrounding myself with the right people. It was working on things that I was super passionate and fired up about, right? It might be meditation or faith or whatever it is for certain people. And so I started going like, hey, this is my formula for, you know, being weaponized. And so when I was able to kind of create, you know, a recipe for me, and it might be different for everybody, but I encourage people like, what is it 
for you that makes you weaponized and makes you dangerous. Because at the end of the day, we all get in funks. We all, you know, get in seasons of feeling down and maybe depressed or, you know, upset or discouraged or whatever it may be. That's called life. And so when you're in that season through awareness, you can go, you know what? Let me point back over here and say, I need to do more of this and more of that and more of this and more of that, because that's when I know I'm feeling dangerous. That's when I know I'm feeling optimized and I'm feeling, you know, excited and passionate about life. And so, you know, life is uh, life is a trip, man. And I think ultimately through awareness is what I've found from, you know, most of the, not only successful people, because I think success and wealth and rich and all those things, those definitions are all very subjective. It means something different to everyone. Wealth for one person, maybe, hey, I got enough money to travel around in my VW bus and, you know, go camping in the national parks, you know, uh, year round and they're living paycheck to paycheck. For somebody else, wealth might mean making a million bucks a year. I don't know what wealth means to you, but I do know what it means to me because I've had that discussion and I've gone through that discovery process. And right, that evolves based on seasons that you're in in life and the things that matter to you or maybe stop mattering to you over time. But I think if you're clear on what that North star is, it becomes that much easier to, you know, make your habits and your disciplines and your relationships and your environments and the things that you give your energy and your resources to, um, you know, to be more congruent and synergistic and, and, and stepping stones to getting you closer to that definition or to that destination that you might be working or moving towards. And, uh, through the most successful people I've been around, you know, the ultimate piece is it's not linear. It's just being aware of when you're off track and when you're on track and doubling down when you're doing well on track. And it's, you know, course correcting accordingly and quickly when you're off track. When we are not aware of what we're valuing, we don't tend to focus on the things that actually will fulfill us. And we don't tend to have the fuel behind us to, to go after and get it. And so without having an awareness of what what you value and what your success is. Because when I say success, I loosely say it as, you know, if, if you're successful in your marriage, what does a successful person do? A parent who's successful, financially, fitness, health, like success is just someone doing their thing really well mm-hmm. and doing it at a level that, that I aspire to. And so if somebody is really successful in property investment and I'm like, man, I need to get successful in this and it's just not working out for me and, and you're hating your life chasing this, this dream that chances are it's not yours and you don't value it the same way that other person does, hence why you don't obsess over it. And if you don't obsess, you're not going to get there. You can't be Kobe in, you know, in, in, in basketball if you're not as obsessed as he was. Yep. It's just not going to... You can't wake up and be like... Because talent's one thing and then actions are infinitely more arguably important in almost everything uh, is what you show up. I could be eight feet tall, built like a tank. Doesn't mean I'm going to be playing any kind of professional sports uh, unless I go out there and actually put in the work. So I think awareness is so important. You said it right, because then you can know what you value. And when you know what you value, you can let go of uh, the other people's sort of labels and stories around success, which frees you up. I know that for myself, when I did that, it was like, I got clear of what I'd been telling myself I should want and should get. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the dick measuring, you know, for yeah, like a bit of yeah, sorry, right, ladies, listen to this. And it's like, what do I want? And when you do that, you realize, man, I'm already successful. I'm already happy. I'm, I, I'm good. Or I'm very, very close. 
because I've, I've stopped moving the goalpost. I've changed and I've gone, actually, I'm, this is what I want. Uh, you're hundred percent right. I had, uh, Dr. Martini on the show and we talked about that exact thing. It was like, he talked about a client who, um, uh, who was complaining that he wasn't successful and he wanted to be successful. And he just kind of kept asking the question, like, well, what are you successful at? And he's like, no, but you don't hear me. I'm not successful. He said, no, no, you're not hearing me. What are you successful at? And then long story short, it was like, I've got a great lawn. I've got a great relationship with my wife, all these things. But that guy over the road, he's got a Corvette and he's got this nice car and he has this money. And he goes, yeah, but he's got a shit lawn and he's divorced. Yeah. And it's like, because you value different things and therefore your efforts are put into different things and therefore you achieve different things in those categories. And if we don't have self-awareness, we chase the thing that ultimately makes us unhappy um, because we think we need it because we're looking at other people. Yeah, for it's, me, I think... You know, um, I went to, you know, I had some good financial success early on in my twenties and I went to a millionaire mastermind group and, um, I'm a student of life. I'm always looking for my next teacher, you know, whether that is learning something from my daughters, it's learning something from a grocery clerk. It's learning something from a homeless person. It's learning something from a CEO and a mastermind. And so I'm always very curious. I think that's one of the best qualities anybody can have is just staying in a state of humility and curiosity. It opens up so many doors for one, you individually, and two, right, ability to make a difference and an impact and in connection in other people's lives as well. And I went to this mastermind and I walk in this room and talk about dick measuring contests, right? You get a bunch of people that are going there for a quote unquote millionaire mastermind, right? It's a lot of balance sheet and net worth, you know, measuring. And what I identified by just kind of being in a student and just being quiet and just kind of, you know, sitting back and taking everything in was there were really two types of millionaires. There was what I like to call the whole life millionaire. And then there was just the traditional millionaire. And the whole life millionaire was somebody that, you know, was intentional and purposeful and equally as committed to the level of discipline in their finances and in their business as they were in their health, as they were in their marriages, as they were in parenting, as they were in their philanthropy, as they were in their leadership. And... Then there were the other traditional type millionaires that were financially abundant and successful, but they were bankrupt in their marriages, right? Their wives and their kids barely saw them, oftentimes didn't really like them. They didn't really talk very well about their wives. Uh, they really didn't care about anything but serving themselves. So charities and missions and causes that you know really had no bearing on making their financial situation better, no, no importance to them. Um, it was a very different type of mentality. And so going back to what you're saying, right? I think for me, modeling after the people I feel aligned with in terms of values, values are very important for me. Yeah, maybe there's somebody that can teach me how to invest in something specifically or learn a particular skill, but I'm also very particular in terms of who I allow to speak into my life and influence me because I've been on the complete opposite end of that spectrum, right? I said, I got expelled from high school. I got arrested. Um, and I had some very turbulent times in my life. And a big piece of that was because of who I was around and who I was modeling after and who I was consciously and subconsciously allowing to speak into my mind and allow to influence me. And so there's a, there's a model that um, I subscribe to. It's called Point Far, P-T-F-A-R. 
And it's basically your programming, right? Your subconscious mind, which many people don't know what their programming is sometimes or are unaware of what their programming is deep down rooted in whether it's, you know, your feelings around money or a relationship or your health or whatever it may be. Um, their programming leads to their thoughts, right? The T part, which is your conscious mind and your, your thinking leads to your feelings and how you feel about a specific thing. And based on your feelings, you take a specific action. And then based on your action, you get a specific result. And based on that result, it reaffirms your programming. And so it's this cycle and it's this loop. And when I was hanging around four other people that were smoking and drinking and fighting and stealing, I became the fifth person who did that too, knowingly or unknowingly. Um, the same went on the other side of the fence. When I was hanging around four other whole life millionaires who were just as disciplined and purposeful and intentional about their money as they were their impact, as they were their health, as they were their relationships, as they were their philanthropy, I became the person that also started to adopt those types of programming, thinking, feelings, actions, and results as well. So just because somebody has maybe um, an accomplishment or an accolade or has hit a certain milestone. I've been very cautious and careful as I've gotten older to say, hey, that's cool. I can acknowledge, hey, you're a billionaire you know, on your balance sheet or hey, you've got you know, uh, a great successful business, but do I align with you from a core values perspective? And my values are ultimately something that shape who I surround myself with and who I model after and who I allow to speak into my life and influence me. And that's made a big, big difference. Cause when I ask people like, what do you stand for? What are your values? Like we have ours, my family. I talk to my kids every single day about our values. I talk to my employees every single day about our values because ultimately those are what guide who we are, what we stand for, what we do together I acknowledge people and you know give them a big round of applause and you know compliments based on being in alignment with core values. I also, you know, reprimand and course correct people based on being out of alignment or incongruent with our core values. And so it's a beautiful thing because it makes and shapes the reality of what you do and don't do and who you surround yourself with and don't surround yourself with to actually feel like you're in synergy and in congruence with the things that you tell yourself matter most. And values to me are a really big, important thing. So just because somebody's successful, if they have shitty core values, I don't really care. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. I don't care what car you drive. I don't care how cool you think you are. Uh, to me, those things don't impress me. Your values and how you show up for other people and how you show up for yourself and the accountability you have around that and how you uphold those things and not just being right. This is my message. I'm the messenger and I'm sharing these things, but I'm actually living these things too. I respect that so much more. And those are the people that I love learning from and being around. And oftentimes, um, those are the people that ultimately are in quiet, some of the most successful and wealthy people on the planet that I've found. So of course, right, there's always the, the wealthy, rich people that we know to be the assholes and, and things like that. But man, there's so many great people doing so many amazing things with their money. But oftentimes that money is just unlocked because of who they are and the values that they stand for. For, for every, for every you know, quote unquote rich person uh, who's an asshole, there, there is uh, more that, that are assholes that don't have money because it's not necessarily the money that that makes you that way. It's it's the thing that just makes you louder uh, of of you know sh 
points out your values a bit more. You can yep. be, you know, and I, and I think that when people start to, we talk about this a lot on the show, it's, it's like money's a tool. Money is a, a thing that can solve most no problems doubt. that make you unhappy. And if and if you're unhappy, go and give away more money, and you'll you'll quickly become happy um, from helping others. And and it's a great tool for a lot of things. But if you if you put it as your value point of like your worth, um, and you you seek it too much, you tend to not make the right choices that tend to limit where you can grow. And and something I found myself is that you really need to. Uh, embody and, and become the version of yourself that's required to reach the various levels kind of almost in this inception way yeah. because you can't achieve that without doing or without being that person and so the irony is it's kind of like a lag effect right like if i think that i want to have a really good marriage then i need to be the person that would have a really good marriage and so what happens is i then become that and i then create that but then i have to perceive further to the next uh the next level and then level myself up to that because I can't see, how do I put this without being too labored here? I can't see over the fence, right? Without standing yeah. up on top of something. And it's only when I when I level up, I can then see over the fence and I can go, oh, wow, I'm probably going to need to get a car because, you know, there's this other cool place over here that I didn't even know was possible in my relationships and my life yep. and my business because I was behind the fence because I wasn't yep. willing to step up. And so, so many of us miss opportunities in our lives in all kinds of ways because we didn't step up on the box, so to speak, to, to look out. Like I, I saw something from Jordan Peterson recently talking about young kids. I got two kids, a three-year-old and a, and a one-year-old. And it, and he said like the most important years are the, the first four years and you don't get them back. Like you either, you either participate or you don't and you don't get it back. Yep. And I'm like, that hit home because w- w- with all the, I don't know how old your kids are, but there's a struggle period in that, in that, in those four years. Oh, no doubt. And, and it's like, as you're going through it, there's this kind of realization at the same time that like the best time to be alive is right now in this, because I will always look back. It doesn't matter whether it's your business, whether it's, you know, you're, you're going to the gym a lot and you're wanting to get ripped. You're going to remember the times when you weren't and uh, what you became through it. It's not the end. It's that, it's that growth period in the middle. It's being present with my kids. It's the stories and the experiences with my wife. It's the growing in the business. So to sort of segue that conversation, um, I feel like where a lot of people get stuck, like we talked about with values, and I'd love to talk about this with you, is the pure entrepreneur, in my opinion, is somebody who they're in it for the game. They're in it for the process, the journey, the growth. They're ultimately the ones I've observed I could be wrong, but they're the ones that I've observed that that uh, achieve what they want to achieve. Let's not call it success in this case, right? Achieve what they want to achieve because they're in it for the process. And those of us who get in it because they want to make a million dollars tend to not get there as well, or they, you know, rip off people in the meantime or break, you know, burn bridges, etc. Because being an entrepreneur, uh, being entrepreneurial is is a trait that I think that we've especially in the era of Gary Vee. And he's talked about this too, like people sensationalizing it and thinking it's this cool thing to do. I want to be an athlete now. I want to be an entrepreneur. And it's like, maybe you would be great as number 14 at a company like Facebook, not necessarily Zuckerberg. And everybody tries to dive headfirst into, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Where do you think that stems from? And how do you think we can course correct ourselves 
if maybe we're in a place that's just giving us headaches because we're trying to be something that really would be better off being an entrepreneur for somebody else or working for someone else, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a perfect plan and, and path for what every person is trying to solve for. So I, I think being clear on what it is that you're really trying to solve for, hey, if you're better suited to be a, you know, a Robin to a Batman, but you get to unlock what it is that you're actually in this game to unlock, then do you need to check your ego at the door every day? And can you be okay with that being a number two, kind of like what you said, right? I think, you know, the ego is a, is a, it's a beautiful and it's a dangerous thing, you know, and most entrepreneurs have big egos in the sense of that's what drives us to go out and do what it we think we can do because we're betting on ourselves every day, right? But you have to tame the ego too. And, and one of the things as I've gotten older and, you know, a little bit wiser in my journey, especially after just being humbled, right? Like being an entrepreneur, it's humbling. You know, you, you know how challenging it is to build a business, to manage people. Like nobody just puts a chip in your brain and, you know, makes you a wise investor like Warren Buffett. No one makes you a leader and a transformer of people like Tony Robbins. Nobody gives you the ability to build and market a product like Steve Jobs. That takes time. You have to earn that. And so one of the things that oftentimes I ask myself this question every day is, you know, based on what it is that I'm solving for in my company is what does it take to earn the right? You know, just because I think in my mind that I can go and achieve that and it's mine have I actually earned that? And oftentimes the answer is most of the time, the answer is no. Like you have to get in the trenches every single day and earn it. And too many people, I think, just expect things to be given to them. And, you know, when you really get down and peel back the layers of the onion to the truth, and oftentimes, right, the truth hurts. People don't want to hear the truth. I mean, I remember I was making seven figures and... I was on a mastermind event and we were hiking the trail to Machu Picchu. And one of my mentors who is, you know, worth three, $400 million probably now, he's asking me questions about my business and I'm telling him where I'm going to be going and what I'm going to be building and what I'm going to be doing. And he goes, cool. So, you know, he starts asking a bunch of questions and we start getting into the numbers and the finances of my business. And he starts asking me all these questions and some of them I knew and some of them I didn't. He goes, Nah, you're not ready to be there yet. Until you can tell me your numbers inside and out, you're really not a true CEO. You don't you don't have the dashboard and the operating manual for ultimately what you need to have to go and build a business of that caliber. And and that really I was like, dude, fuck you, man. Like, you know, I was pissed off. I, that like that 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 bothered me, right? My ego was flaring up there in that moment. And the reality of the situation was not only was he true, that that true, but that was also what I needed to hear. And there's two paths I could have taken there, right? I could have let my ego get stand in the way and, you know, that would have capped me probably. Or what I did was I, I made a, every year I make themes and intentions that tie into my goals. One of my themes that year was was financial literacy in terms of PLs and balance sheets and really understanding cash flow projections and budgeting and like what it really meant to like if I'm gonna go and run a business of that level and build a business of that level, that's something that I really need to earn the right to say. Like you don't just 
do those things. Like somebody could have given me a business of that size of revenue and employees. At the end of the day, I wouldn't have earned that. I wouldn't have known what it takes to get to that level. And mm. so I think people have to be honest with themselves of, again, like this is a process and you got to love and enjoy the process of growth. And pain is oftentimes a very big part of that process. And so entrepreneurs, we are gluttons for punishment. Now we can make it a little bit less turbulent of a ride. And often ways, I think we can do that through being humble, surrounding yourself with the right people. So for me, it's like, again, never been the smartest, fastest, or strongest. Most of the success I've had has been through other people. And I'm just smart enough to surround myself with people that are way savvier in certain areas that I'm not. And I can learn from them through osmosis by being in proximity to those people. I can continue to put myself in environments that stretch and challenge me. I can continue to double down and lean in on my superpowers and you know the strengths that I have. But at the end of the day, like if you're really going to unlock things that you know, you haven't unlocked before, you have to humble yourself and be willing to put in the work in the areas that you haven't unlocked certain levels of success. And like you said, right, stepping up and being able to see new things and be like, oh, okay, so I need to learn that to get over there. Okay, then then I'm going to do that. What's the plan for that, right? And so I think that's a big part of entrepreneurship that people miss. And, you know, Sometimes you're an empire builder. Sometimes you're an empire protector. Sometimes you're just somebody that is going to be a soldier in an army, but it's a part of a mission that you want to win in. And so I think there's nothing wrong with any one of those roles at all. Like they all have, and we call it a horizontal business model. Like a lot of corporate America is very top down and it's an old school archaic mentality of like, because I have this title next to my name, I'm better than you. And I look at my housekeepers in my hotels as some of the most valuable, trusted, amazing, valuable team members on our entire business that we would not be able to do what we are going to do without them. And so horizontal meaning there is no hierarchy. There is no top down. Like we are all, if aligned on core values and we uphold those core values and we all show up, we all have a fabric and fiber in creating what that culture and that value looks like. And that is equal weight and importance and value to the company. And so I think, you know, being okay with whatever that looks like for you is something that people oftentimes struggle with. But if you can get to that place and you can bring the best of whatever that is to whatever it is that you're working towards, it's a really beautiful thing, man. When you get a lot of people working in synergy together, you know, it's like two big horses that, you know, pull, I think it's like 24,000 pounds of weight together, but alone they can only pull 8,000 pounds, right? And so it's like when one plus one equals 10, you know, versus one by itself equaling one, like that's, do you want to, you know, have a slice of a watermelon or do you want to own hundred percent of a raisin? And I think that's something that people ultimately need to, you know, get real and honest with themselves and be truthful with themselves. And if you can, you know, take that truth, um, and, and let that sit with you and, and apply it in the best way to what goals you're trying to achieve, it can be a really, really powerful thing. Self-awareness, right? Yeah. Self-awareness. It's huge. It's the key. Something that stands out for me is, 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 is a deeper realization that A, we all need to have more self-awareness. We need to be clear on what we're actually trying to do. Because if you're not clear on what you're trying to do, you can't solve for the problems that will get you there. Yeah. Right? I'm trying to get to Fiji, but I'm set on riding a bicycle. 
it's like you're gonna drown you're not you yeah. know like you're not, you're not riding a bike to fiji good luck um and the the next level of that is is the public isn't aware enough like we're not aware enough at the the effort required to make some of these things successful people think you know you just make an iphone like it's just a phone and like it's you know got metal on it and stuff Mm. it's a good phone it'll sell itself and i see this every day this delusion that if the product or the service is just good enough it'll grow and i think that i think that it's 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 just not it's just not true it's it's perpetuated as this thing like well, if you've got a really good product and people find it and they'll use it. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but maybe it's all going to go way too slow and someone else is going to come across with a better message. And then because at the end of the day, I, uh, Myron Golden said this, he said, no one's buying your product for the first time or your service for the first time because it's any good because they've never used it. They're buying what you say about it. They're buying the message and what they hear about it from you and from everybody else. So obviously everyone else's message can come from what you've said, but if it's your first, first customer, it has to come from what you've said, not how good it is. And so if we're relying on just the goodness of the thing, we're relying on everybody else to tell the story. Um, and this is where, because I work with health professionals, um, they get really stuck because business is not the same as being a health professional. If you yep. just want to be a health professional, you just want to be a technician or a plumber or a computer tech or whatever, it, it, you can't run a business like that. You've got to be able to communicate your message. You've got to be able to understand all the parts, the pieces, the, yep. you know, the grind. And I think people feel it's just too easy. I can just start a business and I'll just be successful, right? It's like, because who, who, who and maybe it's a, an issue on our end, the, the entrepreneurs, you know, not talking about the difficulties enough and the grind enough. We just skip past it because I know that I get the sense that you're like me. It's like, okay, yeah, that, that was shit, but, you know, I want to keep going. And so we kind of just like, just graze our knee and keep going. And we don't sit in it long enough and tell enough people about it because ironically, it's a distraction for us because we're falling forward and I'm still moving. So I'm going to keep going. And so people around us don't see it and hear it and they're not focused on it. Have you found this, that you kind of, you had friends that, you know, they were just surprised that you kind of kept going and, and, and that you, you would must've been lucky even though, cause they didn't pay attention to the, what was really going on. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for, for people that are building something, you really do have to have kind of that entrepreneurial amnesia, right. Of like, let, let me take the learning lessons, but I'm either going to quit or I'm going to keep going. And for me, it's, you know, it's always just moving forward. And so I think there's a balance that I have found that, you know, I used to be in such a rush and a hurry to get to the next milestone or destination that I forget to take time and be present in the lessons and the learnings and, you know, the reflections that really allow you to probably cover more ground by being a little bit slower, going slower to go faster. Um, so, so that's that recklessness and speed. I'm a big believer, you know, velocity wins in a lot of ways in life, but at the same time, it can also be very dangerous. And so knowing when to take pause and to, to reflect and to sit with things, I think is really, really important. And, you know, I think in moments of turmoil and, and failure, um, and disappointment, 
you know, there's a, there's a struggle for all humans to, to be vulnerable and kind of, you know, show the scars that <laughs> entrepreneurship creates for all of us, right? Like if, you know, entrepreneurs all metaphorically took their shirts off, you know, we'd all be just full of lashes and scars and cuts and bruises and burns because that's what entrepreneurship is. I mean, that's why majority of businesses fail in the first five years is because the shit is hard. And, and, you know, if I could tell you how many times, not only in my first year, but probably in my first five years of entrepreneurship, how many times I thought about quitting and just saying, man, I just, I can't handle this shit, man. This is too much stress and pressure and and just wait. Like, let me just go get a job where I can plug in and plug out and like, let somebody else deal with this, you know, this crap. It crossed my mind more than two dozen times. I mean, I'm talking 20, 30 times I've had conversations up here with myself and, you know, being in your own mind by yourself is a very dangerous place to be. Um, and so I think, you know, more sharing, more vulnerability, more authenticity, um, you know, it's something that I've worked on doing myself. It's something I see more and more people starting to do. And I think that's honestly a badge of strength because, you know, one, it's relatability most people on planet earth have all had some level of trauma, whether it's business or not, right? Like that's just a universal, you know, connection point between all of us. We've all experienced some level of physical, emotional, spiritual trauma. And so, you know, the more we can openly share about those things and and build that connection and support, I think the more it will serve humanity in general, but in the context of business, you know, um, I don't think we give ourselves permission to stay there too long because, if you do stay there for too long, that's a dangerous place. Um, but at the same time, I think there's, you know, there's some some value in that too. And so that's why I'm a I'm a big framework guy. I'm a big rhythm person. Like I do journaling and I do meditation and I do a lot of the things that ultimately are kind of cliche, right? But the they become cliche because the more people who have opted into and bought into what those things can unlock and then have actually experienced it for themselves, now they're the cheerleader going, oh, you got to meditate more. Oh, you got to stop and journal more. Oh, you got to reflect, you know, and and take time to pull those things out. And so for me, I'm, you know, framework wise, um, I'm always looking to kind of create bumpers you know, metaphorically around the bowling alleys of my life to make sure that I'm not bowling gutter balls. And I'm always, you know, moving in the right direction, hitting pins and hopefully putting up strikes and spares. And, you know, um, every once in a while, right, you're going to have a gutter ball and, and that's okay. But I think, you know, taking time to, to give yourself permission to, you know, sit in the failure, to reflect on what's not working, you know, to find ways to optimize and tweak going forward and then reflect again. Um, it, it, it's a very powerful way of, you know, giving yourself the best chance to win and succeed. But I also think too, it's a great way to model for other people that want what you have or want to achieve what you're trying to achieve and, and showing that, you know, you're human. And um, if you're willing to share those things, I think it's a really powerful way of connecting and getting people, you know, to buy into your mission or your cause or, or to what you stand for or your product or your service. And um, at the end of the day, we're all humans, you know, you strip us down, we're all humans. We just want to, you know, be happy, be successful, you know, be aligned with great people and things that we're passionate about. And so the more transparent you can be with that, um, I think the more people you're going to, one, impact along the way, but two, you're going to get people to you know buy into what you're doing and, and want to join you on that journey. 
yeah, we need we need more we need more truth uh, in, in all aspects. I think I think more people hearing the truth of it will help them to to be able to make better decisions. I think that the more truth that we share with our with our audience, the more connected yeah. people be with us, and the more truth we we have with ourselves, the more realistic we become in, in the actions that we're taking. And, and like you said, you know, when am I the most dangerous? That's the big thing that I've written down. It's it's this is an example of knowing and knowing and not doing enough. You know, is is when am I the most dangerous? being truthful yeah. with myself and going, what am I therefore not doing on a consistent enough basis to remain, you know, this dangerous animal that goes off and gets, you know, what he wants and, and, and sticks it out because all of this tends towards what we talked about earlier, which is that consistency. Yeah. Consistency over time, pressure over time, you know, dripping water will create, you know, a canyon. Repetition is the mother of all success. And I think the more you can get repetition in the areas you identify are most aligned with what you want to achieve and unlock in your life, the better, right? Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. I mean, there's a lot of different theories and people who have kind of had some level of spin on mm. that particular statement. But yeah, I mean, I just think repetition is is critical. And, and I also think the other thing too is, you know, I've somewhat rewired my brain a little bit in terms of fear, you know, Fear meaning if there's, you know, a gun pointed at my face and it's got a loaded bullet in the chamber and there's somebody that's, you know, trying to kill me, that's, that's real fear. But there's a lot of false fear that drives and dictates and, and really like depletes and, and distracts and takes away from people going after and doing the things that they really want to and should be doing in their life. And so the way I've, you know, really looked at fear now is if it's not going to kill me for one, um, it's, it's kind of become this call to adventure of like, okay, I need to lean into this because there's something here for me to learn. And, you know, as I've gone through more and more of those moments of fear, I used to hate speaking, you know, and I've spoken in front of, on stages in front of thousands of people. I used to hate doing certain activities and things that, you know, I was fearful of. And as you do those things more and more and more, and you get to the other side and you still got a pulse and, you know, my wife still loves me. My kids still love me. You know, I, I'm still alive. Like that fear overcome more and more desensitizes you to that fear. And actually it, 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 that fear starts to compound and turn into more confidence. And so as you do that more and more now, for me, fear is that call to adventure of like, all right, here we go again. There's some new breakthrough that I'm going to have, some new lesson I'm going to learn, something that I'm going to 2.0 in this process. And so I think if more people could adopt that mindset and lean into that fear, as long as it's literally not someone holding a gun to your head, right? It's not a rhinoceros standing in front of you that's going to impale you and kill you, whatever it may be. Look at that fear as something that's it's it's a calling to to teaching you something that's going to unlock something great that's going to serve you going forward in your journey and and the more you can do that uh, the more you're going to start to be proud of yourself and actually physically unlock results that you haven't had before. I resonate with that so much that that's something that I live by as well. It's almost this feeling of like if I'm not feeling that it's probably not much that I should you know shouldn't put much focus and energy into it. Absolutely. I should look for the next thing instead because if it if it's not if I'm not feeling that I'm not being challenged and I'm not, I'm not pushing. And, and the way that I, I do it is like, what's the worst case scenario? Am I going to die? You know, are my kids going to die? Am I going to lose everything? Uh, if, if that's true or, or a possibility where it's not just like a, you know, I could, I could go mountain biking and I could die. Sure. But like, yeah. realistically, I'm not going to die. Right. Yeah. But yeah. If, I, if I'm going to die, I'm going to lose everything. Then no, that's stupid. I got kids. I'm not going to do it. But if there's the fear there and I'm not going to die, 
really assessing what that is because I heard this from somebody recently and they said that fear doesn't stop the bad thing from happening. Mm. Like if I'm afraid that I'm going to die in a situation, me feeling that or not is not going to alter the situation unless I irrationally respond and I run at a lion, you know what I mean? But like feeling that the fear, thank you body, thank you brain for giving me an awareness, you know, but now I'm just going to actually, you know, take some actions and, and I'm a firm believer in not suffering twice. And that's what got me over my fear of flying. I'm like, if I'm going to die on this plane, I've now suffered twice because I'm dead and I had a shit time. I might as well enjoy (laughs) myself. And then if I die, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I I at least enjoyed myself. And then if I don't die, I didn't suffer pointlessly on a plane trip. And and from that moment, I'm like, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And I just enjoyed myself. And then I never died. And I'm like, cool, flying's all good. And that's how I kind of, a bit extreme, but that's how I kind of live with challenges and adventures and, and, and business and things myself, because it's usually a lack of, lack of understanding of what's really going on that, that precipitates, creates a lot of fear, I think, for a lot of people. Because, you know, Warren Buffett's probably not concerned about spending $10,000 buying a stock, whereas you you might be or somebody you might be, it's like, oh, it's a lot of money. There's fear. It's it's a lack of understanding and, and, yeah. and doing it. Because if you were guaranteed it, you know, you wouldn't have the same fear. So how can I bridge that gap for myself? And sometimes it just means having the balls to do it and learn. And, and other times it's, it's, it's knowledge. But as we transition here, brother, because uh, I could talk to you all day and, and I'm conscious of uh, our, our time coming to an end, where can our audience connect with you online and, and uh, check out more of your stuff? I know you got a podcast and, and all yeah, that as well. Yeah, I mean, um, they can always check out millionermindcast.com or, you know, Millionaire Mindcast is on all podcasting platforms. So we got three episodes a week that come out there and uh, that's always a great way or on social media or YouTube, you know, at official Matty A is my handle or just my YouTube channel, Matt Aitchison. Um, and always love connecting with people, but they can always um, text me as well on uh, kind of my main texting platform number, which is uh, just 844-447-1555. If you heard me on the show, say what up. Um, and uh, always love connecting with, you know, new listeners and, and people who share uh, similar values and anything that, you know, may have resonated with you. Um, you know, that's uh, always the easiest way to connect me is usually through the social channels or the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, last question. What's the most important thing that you ever learned? You know, I think the, for me, the most important thing that I've ever learned is, you know, really around um, relationships, that that's hands down been the number one thing that has served me. And, you know, the way I, I look at relationships is, you know, I'm a, I'm a lifelong farmer of relationships that are constantly being cultivated and tended to. And so, you know, whatever it is that I'm, you know, looking to accomplish, whether that's something specific and tactical in my business, or it's, you know, an impact in a larger mission um, outside of business, you know, I'm always looking to plant seeds, nurture those seeds, uh, water those seeds and, and bring value to, you know, that crop. And eventually, you know, if, and when you need to, um, you know, draw on that crop, right. There's going to be a lot of low hanging fruit because you've just consistently put in deposit and deposit and deposit. And, you know, when it's time to make that withdrawal, you know, you put in the work, right. To, to, to earn, um, that ask. And so for me, I'm just, uh, I'm just a farmer of relationships and constantly looking to bring value to other people. And, you know, as I've done that, you know, one of my early mentors told me, you know, you want to be a millionaire, bring value to a million people. You want to be a billionaire, bring value to a billion people. And so, you know, that's, that's consistently what I look to do is just consistently make deposits in other people's lives. And I know that, you know, if, and when it is time for me to make a withdrawal, 
I think I should have a pretty nice balance to pull from. We underestimate the the, the power uh, in in shared value, like shared assets, etc. If 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 I'm great at finding you know clean water, and you're great at cooking dinner. I want some dinner. You want some water. Let's work together and you can create more. And, and I, and I've learned that myself as well, man. Like, you know, you never know who could be there in the future because of something else. It might not be that person, but it might be that person's friends, uncles, auntie, <laughs> and there's a conversation and now you're connected and, and it's exactly. just leading with value. Yep. You got it. Mm. Dude, this is amazing. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. James, thanks for having me, man. Thank you for checking out this episode. If you liked it, please make sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you're a healthcare professional who wants to get serious about business, check out practiceowner.com where we have a whole lot of resources on helping you to grow more impactful and more financially viable practices. So that's practiceowner.com. Go and check that out if you're a health professional serious about business and don't forget to subscribe.